0: Hello and welcome to the Exceptional Scrum Master Podcast. My name is Yinka and I am your online Agile coach. This podcast is designed to help you understand all things Agile, help you land your dream job and help you succeed in your role as a Scrum Master. So if you're an aspiring Scrum Master or you're relatively new to the concept of Agile, then this podcast is what you want to be keeping up with. All right, guys, so let's get started. So in today's episode, I want to share the common metrics every Scrum Master needs to know. Now, as a scrum master, one of your accountabilities is to ensure that your scrum team is super effective. Now, one of the ways you do this is to ensure that they improve their practices. Now, why do we care about improving the practices of a scrum team? It's so that they are able to achieve the objectives. Every scrum team has an objective. There's a reason why that scrum team was created in the first place. And so at the end of the day, everything we do, is focused on one overall goal, which is to ensure that this team achieves the objectives for that team. Now, this is where Agile metrics really comes into play because with metrics, we're then able to measure and evaluate the progress of the team towards those sets of objectives. Now, we tend to measure them on a spring-by-spring basis. Oftentimes, we also might get to measure them by the quarter by a feature or by whatever means that the organization deems fit. So as a scrum master, you need to care about agile metrics because the organizations that you work for, they care about metrics. Metrics provides an insight for them to know how the team is performing, how long, how far along their features have gone, when features will be delivered, when services will be delivered. So agile metrics are super important to organizations because leadership will always ask about it. So as a scrum master, the question is then, what are the metrics I need to focus on? What are the metrics I need to care about? What are the metrics that I need to know? Because my team, or rather, my organization is gonna ask for some of this metrics. Now, the very common metric out there when it comes to agile metrics that you probably may have heard about is burn down charts, right? you would hear about a spring burn down, a spring burn up, but the very popular one is a sprint burn down chart. Now, what is a spring burn down chart? Basically, a sprint burn down chart shows you how the team is progressing to risk completion of the work that they have pulled in for a particular sprint. I'm sure you're aware by now that scrum teams work in sprints or cadences that range from a week to about a month. And so whatever cadence that scrum team picks for themselves, let's assume that they pick a two-week sprint. This team is going to pull in work that they believe that they can complete within that two-week cadence. And so all of that work would have a sprint goal where the entire team is focused towards working in a particular direction, right? So let's assume that we've picked our sprint goal. We've picked all of the stories that we need to work on to help us realize the sprint goal. As a Scrum Master, I then need to start monitoring the burn down chart of the team because the burn down chart will tell me, how the team is completing the work that they've pulled in. And that burn down chart usually provides you a lot of data points to help you know when to kind of step in to ask if the team needs help or if the team is working just fine. So for example, let's assume that the team is pulling, let's say 20 story points, right for well, that particular sprint. Clearly, if there is 10 days for us to complete this work, we clearly know that by the fifth day, we should have completed 10 story points or thereabout. If we've completed 12, then we're doing really well. If we've completed 11 or 10 or nine, then we're doing pretty well. But if we've completed about five and it's like the 10th day, right? Or rather it's like the fifth day and we're like on a, 10 day sprints, which is like two weeks, right? Then there's a problem because we're tracking far behind and there's a probability that we may not be able to reach the finish line. And so conversations like, you know, what problems are we facing? Do we have any blockers or impediments? Or did we underestimate this work? Did we overestimate the work? Whatever reason, That might be, we need to start asking that question as a scrum master, because the team needs to know that, hey, we committed to this much and we're not coming really far along. What is the problem? You know, where can I step in to help you? Is that something that, you know, the product owner needs to know about so that, you know, the product owner can make informed decisions. And so that's really where the sprint down chart really comes into play. So it's not just a matter of you kind of like taking a look at the chart and then just staring about it, right? These are data points. What are you doing about the data points, right? Usually you would have, you know, on the axis where you have the time that shows you how work is being tracked down and how work is being completed. And then on another axis, you're going to see the number of story points that are being completed. And so really, whenever you take a look at the spring burn down, you're supposed to be able to tell where the team is at every point in time. And I'm sure that if you remember reading your Scrum guide, you would recall that transparency is a big deal to us in Agile, right? And so- The spring burn down shows the transparency of the work, shows us where the team is at at this point in time, how the team is progressing along and what we can do to ensure that the team gets to the finish line if they will. Now, sometimes the team might not get to the finish line, and really the spring burn down would also show you that fact. And then you're able to really see okay, I noticed that for a couple of days we had a straight line, and so work was not really progressing as it should. What were the root causes? What can we do to improve? What can we do better the next sprint? And so the spring burndown really provides you that data point. And that's why it's super important for you to understand this metrics, understand what we use this metrics for, so that you can use that to improve the way your team works, right? Which goes back to what you're accountable for, ensuring that your team is super effective. Okay. Now, the second metric you want to know as a scrum master is velocity. And I'm sure by now, if you've done a scrum master training, if you've done a bit of self-reading on your own, you probably would have heard the word velocity. And basically, velocity is the amount of work that the team gets to complete in a particular sprint. So that's the average amount of work. So going back to the previous example, when I mentioned that maybe the team pulled in 20 story points of work. Now, if a team completes 10 out of the 20, that 10 is their velocity. That is the speed at which the team works. So that's the average amount of work the team completes per sprint. Now for you to get an average velocity, many times we will take about two to three sprints worth of work. So let's assume that in the third sprint, the team completes 10 story points. Now the second sprint, the team completes another 10 story points and the third sprint, they complete another 10. Then that means that on average, that team runs at 10 story points per sprint and so now we can use that metric to kind of figure out how long we think it will take for us to complete a feature and so this is a very important metric because many times organizations will make promises to their customers where they will tell their customers that hey come fall of 2023 we're going to be releasing the latest version of iphone 15 right and obviously, for us maybe to make that prediction, we've been able to calculate the speed at which the team works, given certain factors like the team is stable, the team will used to one another, we have the required skill set to do the work, right? Once all of those factors are in place, then we're able to then predict that, okay, given this timeline, we should be able to deliver this feature come fall of 2023. Now, it's also important for you to know as a Scrum Master, the different factors will affect your velocity right? So your velocity will never be the same every sprint. The fact that one team member is sick could affect your velocity. The fact that there is a holiday in a given sprint could affect the velocity. The fact that maybe one team member, you know, left the organization and now you guys are down by one would obviously affect your velocity. So your velocity will never be the same over time. But the goal for you as a scrum master is to ensure that there is a bit of stability. And if there is a variance, we understand where that is coming from. And we know what to do if we want to track accordingly, right? So you shouldn't just have a situation where this sprint the team runs on five. Next sprint they run on 10. Next sprint they run on seven. And every other factor seems to be the same. For example, there was no vacation, no team member was missing, and you know, we didn't lose anybody. Everybody was complete. So why are we having those huge gaps, right? So those are things that you want to be able to figure out as a Scrum Master to be able to understand, like, why do we have these deeps? What are the root courses to these deeps? Why are we not completing you know, the things that we commit to, even though we understand that, hey, it's a commitment and there is that probability that we might get to the finish line, right? We still need to always have a certain level of certainty that we will finish everything that we pull, given that all things are equal. And that's why even as a scrum master, during sprint planning, you want to take into consideration the capacity of the team before we actually pull in work. Right. So, for example, if there's a vacation in a particular sprint, you do not necessarily want to, you know, pull in the average velocity that the team normally has. Now, let me give you an example. Let's say that every sprint, the team takes on an average of 20 story points per sprint. And now this sprint, there's going to be a vacation for two days. Clearly, that means we're going to be down eight days. It doesn't make sense for the team to still pull in 20 story points when we know for certain that there is a two-day holiday. You want to adjust that accordingly to reflect the true capacity of the team so that that way the team is able to complete the work that they've committed to. Because there's also another metric that the organizations sometimes measure, right? And they call that committed versus completed. And so basically what this means is that we committed to 30 story points. How many did we actually complete? We also sometimes measure that because we want to be able to know whether this team is stable enough, whether we can predict based on how they work. So that is another metric that sometimes you'll find some organizations using. So you have to do your part as a scrum master to ensure that you're protecting your team because sometimes organizations will wonder why a team has certain velocity, right? So you clearly need to understand how velocity is, what velocity is used for, and then help the organization use that accordingly because there are situations where sometimes organizations will misuse this metric and then start to compare Two teams and say, hey, this team is on a velocity of 33 points per sprint. Why is this team who has the same skill set, who is doing a similar work on 25? You need to understand what the metric velocity is. You need to understand that velocity is simply for planning purposes. It does not have anything to do with the skill set of the team members, it has nothing to do with comparison. So no organization should compare two teams based on velocity because the way we plan differs. What one story point means to one team differs from what another story point means to another team. And so because it's simply for planning, we need to always take a look at the team, how they work, how they plan and then make informed decisions based on that team. Now, another common metric that you probably should be familiar with is called lead time. Now, if you have a team that is a Kanban team, lead time is one of the common metrics that they will use. Now, I like to state that the screen burn down and velocity is a common metric to scrum teams. Now, when it comes to lead time, this is very common with Kanban teams. And sometimes you have teams doing something that they call scrum ban. I didn't say this to you, but it exists, right? But Let's get back to this. Now, when you have a team that is running Kanban, one of the common metrics that they will use will be called the lead time. And basically lead time measures how much time has passed since when a work or a task was picked up and when it was completed. So for example, we decided to work on a particular story. So from the moment that work was picked up up until when it was completed and accepted by the product owner we want to measure how long that took so that way we're able to then see you know where the gaps are where the bottlenecks are and then we can then make informed decisions to improve some of those processes so because when it comes to kanban you know we we plan differently we work differently we're very focused on flow and so for us it's not you know, story points, how long, you know, we don't look at complexity of that story. We don't really take a look at, you know, the the risk or the authenticity of that story and then assign a story point to it. Our own story point when we're running Kanban will be, hey, from start to finish, how long did it take you? And then whatever value that we decide to give to that will then be the value of that work, okay? So if it took us, for example, three days to complete this type of work. And then when we pick a similar story, we can then assume that it will most likely take us about three days, right? Which is kind of related to even the Scrum teams with story points where we could say that, okay, because it takes us this much time and it's this much risk and there is this much uncertainty in the work, we assign two story points. And in that situation, we are really saying that it's not much risk, it's quite easy. And so we can get this done relatively quick. Right. And so when you look at lead time, it's the same concept, but we measure it pretty different. And so lead time is just measuring from start to finish. How long did that entire work take me? Now, the next metric that you probably want to be aware of is called cycle time. And cycle time is kind of related to lead time. But the difference between lead time and cycle time is this. For cycle time, we're really measuring from the time a team member actually picks on that work. So remember that we have the concept of a springboard, right? And so when the developer or somebody, a member of the team, picks the item and begins to work on it and pulls that work into in progress. We start calculating the cycle time from when that work was picked up and when it was completed. Now, the difference between this and lead time is this. Lead time from the time that work was created. So from the time, let's take a look at this. When that work was actually created in the backlog by the product owner, up until when that work was completed, how long did he take us? That is your lead time. And that's why Kanban uses lead time because the way Kanban planned their work is quite different from the way Scrum teams plan their work. Because for Scrum teams, sometimes we might write stories ahead of time, right? We might be planning for a feature and maybe work that we probably would need in the next couple of months. We may have written like a high level piece of that work. And then when we get closer to that time, we then break it down into smaller chunks. But for Kanban, remember that Kanban is really a pool system where it's when work is needed that we are creating that work. And that's why Kanban teams will use lead time because from the time work was created up until when it was done, how long did it take us? Because that is time that the customer will use to evaluate us to know whether we can meet deliverables or whether we're a good company or not. Now let's look at a real life example. Let's imagine that you're eating at a fast food and then you pull into the drive through right? From the minute that that person takes your order, that is when, you know, the lead time starts because that's when that work item was created. Up until when you go through that cycle and then you pick up your order. The length of time it takes is the entire lead time. Now, for the guys who are doing the work from the time, let's assume that maybe you ordered french fries and milkshake, right? From the time that the person in charge of making milkshake, when he or she picks that task to start preparing the milkshake, up until when he finished that milkshake, will be the cycle time of how long it takes to make a milkshake. Right. Same thing with the guy who is making the fries. From the time I picked up the ticket to start making the fries up until when I got it delivered will be the cycle time for fries. However, the lead time will be from the time I placed an order for milkshake and fries up until when I got through the drive-through and then they handed me over my French fries and milkshake. So if it took them like five minutes, then if that is their SLA, they would say that yes, they met their SLA and they served the customer in time. And so then they can now make promises and say, hey, spend five minutes or less at our drive-thru. We do not waste time for our customers. And then they can use that for marketing and all that kind of stuff. So now you begin to see all the kind of work, the goals in play, for organizations to make certain decisions and the role we have to play in the overall objectives that those organizations have to make. Now, another metric that you probably want to be aware of is called troopers. Now, this is still another metric in Kanban. But sometimes organizations that use, you know, but Scrum and Kanban practices may also require this um, metric. Now, throughput really is talking about the amount of work that was completed over a given period of time. So now this is quite related to our velocity where we're able to say, hey, our velocity is 20 story points. So in Kanban, we'll have our throughputs where it's the amount of work that we completed over that given period of time. In Scrum, we could have a one-week span, we could have a two-week span, a three-week span, or a four-week span. And so similarly in True Foods and in Kanban, we will then measure how many work items we were able to complete over that given period. So that's a metric that you probably also want to be aware of. Now, another metric in Scrum that you also want to be aware of is like either an Epic release burned down. And that's because we do not only burn down sprints, we also sometimes burn down Epics. And Epics is really a bigger story, right? So our Epic could mean a feature, right? So a feature could be, you know, a big chunk of work or functionality that the organization wants to release to the customers. And so while we would break down that feature into smaller chunks that will fit into multiple sprints, we also many times would track that Epic to see how work is doing. What have we been able to complete over time? Are we tracking really well? Are there any blocks that we're not aware of? And now another reason why we tend to track Epic is because Many times, if it's a big organization that is working in a skilled environment, then many teams may be working on one epic. And so it's important for us to track that epic so that we'll be able to see how every team is working together to track down and bond down that work. Because there's a possibility that one team may be doing quite fine and the next team is not completing work. So even though team A is tracking really well and they're on point, they're on track, team B might not be doing quite well and so that would show in our epic burn down because if it's going to take us say for example based on the estimates that the team gave that's going to take us 3 months for five teams to complete this work if one team is lagging behind our epic or release burn down will show that because we will be tracking behind even though individually some teams are tracking well, we will be able to see, okay, why are we behind? And then we'll be able to see, okay, where is that coming from? And then we'll be able to kind of see the root because Basically, we'll see, okay, it's this team. And then as an agile coach, you will then be able to see how can I support this team? How can I support the scrum master? What can we do differently? What training, what coaching, what improvement techniques can we introduce to this team to help them get back on track? And so even though at a scrum level, you may or you may not be tracking epics, right? Depending on what your organization calls an epic and how they track that, which is also largely dependent on the tool that they are using. Because for Jira, depending on what your team wants to call their epics, that could be an initiative, that could be a feature, it could be whatever. And then for somebody else who is using like ADO, Azure DevOps, it could be tracked differently. So you would need to understand how your team is tracking work and how they relate that to the tool they are using before you will then know whether this is a metric that you want to track or not. But if you're working with just, you know, a scrum team where it's not a skilled environment, many times the epics will be features that is specific for your team. And then at that point in time, you will be able to track that work. Now, at this point, I think I've given you about five or six metrics that every Scrum Master needs to know. I want you to take a step further by going online to then do a further research on each of this metrics to have a deeper understanding of what they mean, how to use them, when to use them, and what they look like. I wish you all the best once again. Thank you so much for spending another time with me on today's episode. Thank you so much for reviewing my podcast. Thank you so much for the, for the likes, for the shares, for the referrals. Thank you so much for the messages that you drop. I see your messages. I see your emails. And like I always say, if you have any question that you like me to address on this podcast, please, you know, leave me a message and I will take care of it. I promise you that. Thank you all so much. And I cannot wait to catch you in the next episode. Bye for now.